Hello, everyone. Welcome to Romantic Underpinnings, the collaboratively written historical romance novel podcast hosted by me, Andrew, and... This is Ashton. Hi, Ashton. I don't know why I'm talking like this. Why are you using your Ira voice? I, I you know, sometimes it just happens. I think it's the microphone. Anyway, <laughs> um, we are back with another chapter that I have written in the novel where we write alternate chapters, mine from the perspective of the heroine of the novels, yours, Ashton's, from the perspective of the hero. And this particular historical romance novel, as yet untitled, but you will find it in all bookstores eventually, is set in the year 1690 in the milieu of a war between France and basically a big chunk of the rest of Europe, including England, where our hero, Anthony, is on a mission from King William III. I don't want to talk too long this time. What else do you have to say to preface this new chapter that you will be reading to me for the first time ever? <laughs> I like you said you didn't want to talk too long this time, and then you proceeded to, like, talk more, longer. <laughs> Just a little. Yeah. Um... I don't know, you should tell the people where we are at the moment in the, in the actual novel. Well, the other place where we are is on Instagram at Romantic Underpinning. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was a terrible segue. And on Twitter at Rom Under Pod. <laughs> Our website is romanticunderpinnings.com and you can email us at hello at romanticunderpinnings.com with your commentary, your requests, your fan theories, and anything else that your little fingers can type. Oh, wait. Am I... St I've, now I have to keep going to... Yeah, you were supposed to tell the good people where we are in our actual plot. And yeah. then you just, like, dove right into our handles because I teased you about that last week. However, you still have to tell the people where we are in our plot. All right. Well, as of the end of last week's chapter that you so adeptly wrote, um, our uh, small crew of not particularly reputable sailors um, who are on a clandestine mission from the king to gather intelligence in France on a trip to Paris from London uh, have been stranded for several chapters at Le Havre, the, the port at the mouth of the Seine. And um, they've been getting into some scrapes. They've gathered a little bit of information um, that they've traded some of their precious cargo for. They've had to use some of their precious money, bailing some of the crew out of jail. And most recently, there was a bit of a set to when Anthony, our hero, uh, in the aftermath of a bit of a, you know, a little bit of a tiff with our heroine, Agatha, dressed up as Peter de Hauck, a young Dutch male sailor, um, well, they had a tiff, and then Agatha decided to go out on her own to gather some intelligence, and Anthony saw her in, let's just call it a close tete-a-tete -tete with an unfamiliar French man in an alley, and um, proceeded to beat the shit out of this guy and then get berated by Agatha. And then they quite literally kissed and made up. <laughs> I mean, they haven't made up yet. 
Well, yes. Are you giving away spoilers? No, but Ah. I mean, I I feel like there was a bit of implicit makeup Ah. in that she was, you know, a not unenthusiastic participant in the kissing. I mean, I don't think I wrote her experience on the kissing. Well, yeah, but you didn't write. I guess I could have started the chapter with her socking him in the jaw. You could have. But I do cover some of this in the chapter that is coming up. And you, Ashton, as well as our small but fervently devoted weekly listenership (laughs) are about to find out. Let's explore language, romance, and resilience. And welcome to Romantic Underpinnings. All right. Well, I will commence reading, as Andrew says. This is chapter 16. Agatha leaned her elbows on the rail, looking at the hills and fields rolling away from the banks of the sun. She saw peasant women carrying bushels or maybe fardels. She didn't know much about farming, now that she thought about it. Even when she lived on a plantation, she remained largely confined to a stately house and garden. Whatever these people were doing mere yards away at shore, it was cyclical. Cyclical? Cyclical. Okay. And hopefully stable. One season's work moving to the next. One decade passing and the next starting like the periodic replacement of a thatched roof. Her mind swam with new feelings and profound uncertainty. But these people put her experience and adventure into perspective. They, they, didn't, they probably didn't care who was king which kings were fighting each other, and why the plans for new military fortifications occasionally needed to be stolen. You really don't think they didn't know who was king. No, they didn't care who was king. They might know. But but... you, I mean, they probably care who's fighting each other, right? Because it probably comes through their farmland on occasion. I almost mentioned that. Like, in general, at this point, like, the peasants didn't actually do very much of the fighting. Ah. But it would happen occasionally that, like, a group of horrible soldiers would just decide to, like, post up right. in a village and eat up everyone's grain and Or, stuff. like, you know, kick them out of the ha- their house and then burn everything down or whatever, right? Yeah. As they so, tromp through. Yeah, that'll happen occasionally. I mean, people, hopefully domestic armies don't burn down their own territory. Yeah, but that's why they should care who's fighting who. I suppose. But I think, you know, there weren't, like, newspapers where they <gasps> followed along with newspapers? all the battles and stuff. So I think that people basically just got on with it as long as the war wasn't like immediately in front of their faces. Mm, okay. Agatha's last few days had been a whirlwind of kissing, fighting, danger, kissing, and high stakes improvisation. With an S, huh? <laughs> I'm British, you see. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Why couldn't her life be something simple and predictable? I don't think Agatha would would like anyway. Her conception of a of European village life was fuzzy at best, but couldn't she just meet someone at a country dance, go for a tumble in a barn, end up married, and eventually become a wizened grandmother with a kind smile and a low chuckle? Wasn't there a flock somewhere that needed tending or some butter that needed churning? She definitely wanted to take Anthony's hand and lead him into the provincial barn to finish what they'd twice started, but this life of sweeping drama and espionage was causing trouble for her sex life. Hang on a second. <clears throat> provincial barn? It would be a provincial barn. Provoobi- Proverbial. How do you say it? Proverbial barn. Proverbial. You can see why I skipped over it. 
Also, you said provincial somewhere else, right? Um, quite possibly. It's the kind of thing I would have said, but... Uh, I think I just read it, which means I just, like, assumed that you do the same thing I do, which you obviously don't, which is, like, find one word that you really like and then use it six places in two sentences. Oh, I'm sure we're going to find some words that I wrote hard and put away wet, but provincial Uh, is not one of them. Got it. Yesterday afternoon, right when things were getting interesting again, Dipper, of all people, sauntered into the alley where Anthony and Agatha were locked in a passionate embrace. Aye, Captain, I see you've gotten your hands on our missing crewmate, he had said. LOL. Agatha, no. Anthony removed his arms from around Agatha so fast that she tipped into the brick wall behind her, taking away what little was left of her breath. Dibber seemed unconcerned by both the dishevelment of his crewmates and the unconscious Frenchman sprawled at their feet. Anthony started to stand up straight, settled back into an awkward hunch, and cleared his throat. Yes, Dipper, we'll have all hands accounted for, assuming that Charlie returns from his errand. That's just grand, sir, said Dipper. However, you may want to step out of this alley before we all get arrested again. It's time to either go up river... River? Oof. Or back to England. I'm sure that word of our dubious exploits will travel over land faster than we can make it upstream in the sun. In the sun? On the sun. Probably on the sun. <laughs> They're in the sun. It's a submarine. Well, why are you questioning the most experienced sailor and navigator <laughs> on our crew? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I thought you were just like doing a quick, um, what is that uh, cyberpunk thing and like having them in a submarine? Anyway. You mean steampunk? Steampunk. Yeah. <laughs> Cyberpunk. Hello. Jeez, Louise. Okay. <clears throat> this managed to straighten Anthony once and for all. We go up the river, Dipper. Despite everyone's best efforts to jeopardize this mission, our petty squabbles and peccadilloes. Is that right? Yes. Mustn't keep us from completing our mission. Dipper. Well, our mission kept showing up. Oh, well. That's Anthony's fault. Well, he is sort of. That, I mean, that tracks, actually. Dipper bowed. Whatever you say, Captain, if I were an insubordinate man, I would observe that we're barely letting our mission get in the way of these peccadilloes you mentioned, but I'm, of course, your most obedient servant. Agatha stepped forward and grabbed both men by their sleeves. It's time to go, she said. This man seems to be stirring, and even if he stays out, he probably has some drinking buddies who are starting to ask questions. Let's discuss things further on the ship. They all walked back to the pier, smiling perhaps too broadly at the skeptical passerby they encountered. Anthony took a quick glimpse at Agatha and said, So, Peter, did you find out any... Sorry, did you find anything out at the body house before you were interrupted? Agatha felt the heat in her body drain away as she remembered how angry she'd been at Anthony before he wisely wisely started kissing her again. Her vulnerability to his mouth might prove a liability at some point. I think it already has done so. But for now, she decided to soldier on. You mean sailor on? Oh. <laughs> That's so funny. I should have said she decided to cowboy up. Yes, because everyone... When did cowboys start being a thing? I mean... You know, practically speaking, there are probably people whose job description would be similar at the time. That said, I don't think they were really part of the cultural currency until the second half of the 19th century. Right. 
They wouldn't be called cowboys. Whatever. I still think she should have cowboyed up. <laughs> Cowgirled up. So far, sir, all I had managed to overhear was a discussion of dubious remedies for venereal disease. Some of the men were soldiers and sailors who may have been in possession of useful knowledge, but we won't be able to overhear their discussions when we're holed up on our ship. Anthony's eyes looked downcast, and Agatha could swear there was an apology coming, but perhaps he didn't want to look that vulnerable in front of Dipper. I see, Peter. Perhaps you can consult me before the next time you take initiative. Agatha could not, couldn't let this stand. You didn't seem to mind at all when I took initiative in the hold yesterday, Captain. <laughs> Dipper whistled a jaunty little tune and said, Uncommonly pleasant weather we're having this time of year. Northern France can be gloomy even in the summertime, but I find today to be perfectly splendid. Taking the hint, Ag Anthony and Agatha lapsed into silence. Back on the deck with the fields ahead of her, Agatha found herself missing the open sea, even if they'd never strayed more than a couple dozen miles from land. The river seemed claustrophobically narrow, and the fact that France was enemy territory detracted from any enjoyment she might take in the picturesque countryside. Nobody seemed to take notice of yet a small of yet another small merchant ship plying the river. The crew sat mostly idle for this stretch, and Agatha was a bit disappointed to hear of an adventure brewing behind her. Yes, sir, Charlie said. Etienne and the other travelers were very firm, firm that a schooner can't navigate the Seine past Ru Rouen. How do you say it? Uh, probably Rouen. Rouen. How's that? Yeah, perfect. Did you look that up? The, oh, like the actual navigability of the Seine? Yeah. Uh, according to Wikipedia, ocean-going vessels can basically get as far as Rouen. Um, it might not have been the case then because apparently the Seine has been dredged. At oh, some point. Who knew? Um, but as of now, the ocean ships from the ocean basically stop at Rouen. Even and, a little schooner. Because it's not tackling from... I mean, it's from the strait, but it didn't like go out into the open ocean. Yeah, but I mean, it's the kind of ship, albeit small, that one takes in salt water on an ocean, as opposed to a very specific kind of boat that one would take on a river with a very... Sal a very shallow draft kind of a situation okay so i think basically use very different boats once you get significantly far up river hmm. oh no okay uh apparently we'll have to unload our wares and rent a barge to get the rest of the way to paris we'll have to pay 20 livres up front and 20 more when we take the barge back down the river in order to reclaim our ship we're sailors, shouted Dipper. It's annoying enough to take a ship on a narrow river where the stars are as meaningless as the filigree on a baby bonnet. And now we're going to have to shove our way along with poles? The poles are five livres extra, mumbled Charlie. Etienne was surprised that we hadn't brought any for this type of trip. <laughs> Anthony turned around in time to see Dipper open his mouth again, but shot it when Anthony stepped toward him. Would you rather walk, Dipper, or rent a wagon and an ox to take our wares the rest of the way? Dipper grumbled under his breath for a while, before finally saying, I've always thought that poles were a noble way to propel a vessel. You'll never hear me say a word against barges, sir. Good, said Anthony with an air of finality. At least we won't have much to haul onto this barge after we've sold enough goods to cover the rental. Wow, sorry. Lobo language... <sighs> 
Lobo rose languidly from the pile of sacks he'd been strolled on during this discussion. About that, he said. I got a little bored while you were all rushing back and forth yesterday. If you check the hold, you'll notice a few crates of, salt, crates of salted beef, a few sacks of rubies. They're only rough cut, but I suppose they'll still fresh, fetch something from a discerning buyer. Jeez Louise. Having such a hard time enunciating today. Yeah, which is weird because my dialogue is so naturalistic and indeed <laughs> period appropriate. Ah. I, I'm positive about that. Really? But, uh, it's really interesting though because one of those things, I mean, any given small uh, flub you have is probably attributable to less than limpid prose on my part if we're being completely no, no, honest. No. Well, I don't think that's the case. In, well, it's very interesting because you really wanted to say languidly rose, I could tell. You like skipped the word rose mm -hmm. from Lobo rose languidly from the pile, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I almost had it languidly rose mm. and I switched it. And I think, uh, I don't know, I felt like it's like more grammatically tidy or something to put the um, adverb after. Mm. If that's even an adverb, it is, right? languidly yeah it's yeah it's modifying the verb rose. yeah that's right that's right and so i feel like some there was some like evil voice in my head saying that the adverb should go after the thing that is modifying mm -hmm. but i've i repent that's fine although languidly rose is gonna have to be the title like my new pen name or something oh my goodness yeah. That'd be a good, like, I would be a good way for a person named Rose to sign off a letter. Languidly Rose. <laughs> I'm going to just start signing stuff. Languidly Ashton instead of, like, love or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's good, too. I like that. Okay. <clears throat> Jack gasped. Where did you get those things, Lobo? And how did you pay for them? Anthony assured me that this would be a perfectly honest pirate vo voyage. The irony. Lobo yawned. As I said, I got bored. Things happen when I get bored. The shopkeeper should have never assumed that I didn't know the exchange rates. I don't get it. What did he well, do? I, he, in my mind, he basically sensed that someone was trying to rip him off. Oh. So he ripped yeah, he clearly the other person well off. Yeah, he that, right? So. <laughs> I also learned a few things that might be of interest to us, or at least the king. I took liberty of asking this shopkeeper about some interesting things in his ledger. Apparently, there's a French army division assembled in Rouen. Uh, how do you say it? Rouen. Rouen. And getting ready to march to... I, I think Lille. Lille. I, that's a good question, though, because I never know where I am with a double L in French. L-I-L-L-E, for those of you, you know, keeping score at home. The score is pronunciation 82, Ashton 0. I don't know that one either. So we're the what? pronunciation is wiping the floor with all of us. I don't oh, think I can pr one. properly pronounce Lille. I still think I'm not even too sure about Rouen. Like you might really pronounce more of the N than I'm doing. I think that English speakers probably just call it Rouen, but I feel like in France they pronounce like 25% of the N. Hmm. They probably won't wait around for their crates of beef, but we might be able to catch them before they head out and divine a bit about what Lewis and his foppish generals think they're up to. Lewis? Who's Lewis? Louis, sorry. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis. Anthony stared upriver as if keen attention could bring their ship upstream any faster. Good work, Lobo. That sounds like some very honest piracy to me. Gentlemen, let's make sure that our new cargo is 
secured properly. I also wanted to do properly secured. <gasps> All right. I from here on out, this podcast is going to be sponsored by adverbs <laughs> that come before verbs. Don't you think? Yeah. Is secured properly. Is properly secured. Although in that case, well, I don't know. Secured isn't like is is really the verb there. So That's who knows true. what's That's going true. on. Lobo might be deft at acquiring things, but he's not the most meticulous with lashing down ropes. Agatha followed the rest of the men toward the hatch. Right before she reached it, Anthony held an arm out to stop her progress. Not you, Agatha. Surprised to hear Anthony using her name so freely, Agatha looked around the deck. They were alone. End of chapter. Bum, bum, bum. Hell yeah. I mean... I, I left it at, like, a pregnant moment for drama and scenes and stuff, which is basically what you offered me, and I stepped back and did a whole bunch of plot. But That's fine. Yeah, I felt like there needed to be some plot. I felt like there, like I wanted there to be something that happens on the way to Paris, and now there's lots of things that could happen in Rouen, which is a great-looking city to, like, check out on Google Maps. Um, I've always <laughs> wanted to go to the cathedral there. Mm. I sort of want the people to, have like, get into some hijinks and, like have to go to the cathedral or the Roman crypt remains that are apparently part of the cathedral. There's so much good stuff in Rouen. What year did the cathedral finish being built in Rouen? Uh, it always took him forever, but according to Wikipedia, it's a 12th century cathedral. Oh, shit. That's old. It's, All right. Yeah. It's like one of the oldest, so fanciest. Ben had done there by the time these people show up. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, mm. it's, it's like a pretty... Yeah, it's a big deal in, in terms of French cathedrals. Capital B, capital D. Absolutely. Is it what that terrible book I read is based off of? You're going to have to be more specific. I know, I read a lot of bad books. The really long one that was about building cathedrals, what was it called? Um, oh. That people love. Uh, I don't remember the name of the book. Mm scintillating podcast well i can we can look it up and then i'll add it and post when i'm editing tomorrow well let me let me just look and then you can maybe um cut this out oh the pillars of the earth can full it dear listeners <laughs> the book title for which ashton has been grasping ineffectually for the last four or five minutes mm. is the pillars of the earth by kent Fullett. And which cathedral were they built? Well, it was a fictional town in Kingsbridge, England. So it was an amalgamation of like several cathedrals. Oh, so I was sort of close with you Salisbury were close, then. actually. I think blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I. All right. Well, Medieval cathedrals. I expect this next chapter to be better than the entire book, The Pillars of the Earth. Ugh. I mean, I was not a fan. I feel like you would like it. A lot. It's got a lot of, like, dubious, slow-moving plot with people, like, saying snide things that, like, start wars. What's that called? Intrigue? Like? Yeah, but, like, the... the is it as good subtle as... Subtle kind. Is it as good as Wolf Hall by Hilary Mantel? I think it's better than Wolf Hall. You, I didn't like Wolf Hall you either. You have so. to be joking. <laughs> I think you should read it. I didn't like Wolf Hall either, though, so take that with a very small grain of salt. Ladies and gentlemen... Tune in again next week <laughs> if there's another episode in the aftermath of me finding out that Ashton did not enjoy the very fine novel Wolf Hall. I mean, I feel like you already knew that. 
I didn't like the show either. What? Yeah. I think we've discussed this, no? I blocked it out. <laughs> I can't reconcile your I don't dis- like any of that kind of stuff. Well, here's your chance to fix, you know, <laughs> intrigue within walking distance of a very prominent religious institution. You will write good fiction. But I mean, even our stuff has like more dialogue and faster moving plot points than the Pillars of the Earth, which is just basically like a slow trudge into monotony. And more realistic dialogue as well. (laughs) Period appropriate. I'm I'm honestly not saying ours is better. I enjoy it more, but that's because I get bored really easily. Well, and also because my chapters are, (laughs) you know, scintillating. They are scintillating. There we go. Consider all you should all consider yourself scintillated as you wait for next week's episode, which is indeed happening. Is there anything else you want to say before we sign off? I feel like we should have a sign off word. Is it kazoo? It can be kazoo if you want. Is it perspicacity? I think it should be languidly romantic underpinnings. <laughs>